Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Do you pray for your pastors? I sure hope the answer to that question is yes. Whether you attend Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, and and that's talking about me, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Josiah, or whether you attend another church, I hope you pray faithfully for your pastors, that you pray for those men that oversee your church. Uh, Hebrews 13 reminds us these men are there to give watch over your souls. And so pray that God gives them help in doing that. And today, as we look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 29, that's just one practice practical thing I want to encourage you to do based off of this passage, because we're going to see a lot of Paul's heart in this passage. And I hope that your pastors have that same part that that same heart that Paul had. And so some of these things that he mentions about himself, you can pray for your pastors. And these are things that aren't exclusive to praying for your pastors, but things you could pray for yourself. As we know, it is not just the pastors that are meant to do all the ministry within the church. No, they are meant to build up the body so that the whole body is doing the work of ministry. So these are things that you should care about, that you should need as well. And so hopefully some of the things that we will see will encourage your prayers for many people today. Let's look at it. Colossians 1, 15 through 29. And specifically, I'll be focusing on what Paul says in verses 24 through 29, as he really talks about his ministry. Let me start just by reading these verses for us. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints." To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So there, this passage starts with that interesting idea that Paul is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, at first glance, that should make you scratch your head and be like, don't we sing about how Jesus paid it all? Uh, Didn't Jesus say on the cross, it is finished? So what in the world is lacking in Christ's afflictions? And clearly, this is not teaching that there is anything lacking in Christ's suffering for our salvation. No, Jesus did pay it all. He did say on the cross, it is finished. But now taking that message of Jesus Christ and taking it to the world and actually making disciples, uh, well, Jesus left and that's the work that he is now given to the church. And that is our job to take the gospel to all nations and then to make disciples, to teach people to do what Christ has commanded. And, And these are the afflictions that Paul is speaking of. And these are the afflictions that will come with ministry. Ministry is not easy. It is not supposed to be 
easy. Ministry will necessarily involve suffering of one kind or another as we seek to bring the gospel to people who haven't heard it or as we seek to help people who have heard the gospel understand it and believe it or as we help Christians grow in their faith. It's going to be hard work. And you see that in the end, he's toiling, he is working towards this end. And I hope your your pastors experience that same uh, sense that there is difficulty in what they're doing, but they're working hard. And again, this shouldn't only be limited to your pastors. If you are a Christian seeking to be faithful, you will experience some of these things. So what are the things to pray for then from this passage? Let me give you four things to pray for. And the first is Pray for focus. Pray for your pastors to have focus. And when I mean that, I don't necessarily mean in the micro sense of, hey, that they're focused, you know, as they're working, although you you could pray for that. Uh, I think it's really more uh, the macro sense, the big picture, the focus of their ministry. What is Paul focused on? He's focused on Christ. Verse 28, him we proclaim. He's proclaiming Christ. And what is this mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's where, as you think about that focus, you can go back to the rest of what we read in Colossians today, where there's just these majestic verses starting in verse 15 that are all about Christ, that he is the firstborn of all creation, which in that case um, does not does not mean first necessarily in order that he was created. No, it says he was the one that created all things. Jesus Christ was not created, but he is first in the sense of priority. And you see that other places in scripture, the way they use the term uh, firstborn meant first in sense of priority, not necessarily in in view of chronology. I I was recently having this discussion with some Jehovah's Witnesses and we talked about what what this verse means, that no, Jesus Christ was not a created being. It says right there, for by him, all things were created. Um, So we see these majestic things about Christ and then going on to this work of reconciliation that Christ has done by making peace Um, by the blood of his cross and how people who were alienated and hostile now uh, have been reconciled through the death of Christ so that they might be holy and blameless and above reproach. Uh, As we see all of these amazing things about Christ, who he is, he is the head of the church, what he has done, reconciling people through his death, that is meant to be the focus of ministry. So pray for your pastors to, to stay focused on Christ and preaching him and giving people that news of Christ in them, the hope of glory. There are so many things to distract pastors from that focus. It can't just be other issues that they may focus on more than that. It may be just personal discouragement or just situations that come up in ministry that can take their time or get their focus bogged down in details or things like that. Pray that there would be a focus on Christ. And then pray for your pastors to have joy. You see this in Paul. This is a head-scratching statement there in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. And like I said, if someone is really seeking to serve, it is going to involve suffering. And that goes for pastors. That goes for people maybe like you that are just faithfully serving the church. There will be sacrifice and suffering involved in that. And the attitude that Paul shows us time and again is we should not uh, complain about that. We shouldn't, uh, you know, just uh, groan about that. Oh, ministry is so hard. We should rejoice in that. 
We should have joy in that because, hey, this suffering is part of doing ministry and I love Christ. So it is, it is worth it to, to suffer. And the joy of focusing on Christ and, and teaching people about Christ and to obey Christ, it's worth it. So pray for joy for your leaders as well. Uh, also pray for strength and energy. That's what, you know, he talks about at the end, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So there, there's a sense, hey, your pastors and you, you should be relying on God, not yourself. So pray that your pastors even would have that strength, kind of like we saw back in verse 11, that they would have a strength that really comes from a trust in God, that they would have strength because they know they're leaning on God's strength and his energy. And finally, pray for wisdom for your pastors. And again, this is a prayer you should pray for yourself too, because as it says there in verse 28, him, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And we'll see, this is clearly not just something Paul was doing. We'll see in chapter three, verse 16, this is actually something that the whole congregation is meant to be doing, that we're meant to be teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. Uh, And so we need to pray for that wisdom. So again, things to pray for, for your pastors and also for yourself and anyone else that you're serving alongside as you seek to serve the Lord, pray for focus, pray for joy, pray for strength and pray for wisdom. Uh, Very important things um, to think about and to pray for uh, as you pray for your pastors, as you pray for yourself, as you pray for others who are faithfully serving the Lord. Uh, now let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 13 through 16. And now we're getting, we're coming back to Isaiah after we've read some other passages and other books, and we're going to get to some prophecies about uh other nations is what we're going to see kind of in this next section of Isaiah. And we don't know exactly, you know, when these prophecies were or all the context, but we should be familiar with many of these nations. And one interesting question uh, that you you can maybe pick up today is uh, where does the name Lucifer come from? You're probably familiar with that name. When I say Lucifer, you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about Satan or the devil. But if you uh, if you go to your Bible software in the English Standard Version, which is what we use on this uh, Bible reading program at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, and you type in Lucifer in the search, you will get zero results. You'll see uh, that the devil you used will, will know about things like Satan or the serpent, but you will not see the name Lucifer used. So where does that name come from? Well, that's going to be one of the things that we read about today. And you see here when it turns now to talking about judgment coming on foreign nations, not the nation of Israel, it starts with Babylon and it talks about judgment coming on Babylon in chapter 13, but also in chapter 14. And really it's, it's given in the form of a taunt uh, that, that will be said against Babylon. And in verse 12, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. Well, there from that term, if you look that up really in the Latin version of the Bible, you will see Lucifer there. That's where the term Lucifer comes from. 
And so that, that's where that name comes from. And that, that gets us into something deeper about this passage as well. Uh, it's a very interesting passage because Bible scholars look at this and the context is Babylon, but you get a sense in some of these verses, especially verses 12 through 14, you get a sense, it seems like this is talking about someone more than an earthly king. And, and it's connected uh, really to some other passages that we see in scripture in Ezekiel. There is a similar passage to this speaking, uh, you know, it's in the context of foreign kingdoms and a foreign king, but then it does seem to speak uh, of someone greater than could really be described by any human. We do have this sense of uh, from other passages in the New Testament of Satan being cast down out of heaven, or even we see in 1 Timothy 3, 6, uh, warning that the, the overseer in the church shouldn't be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil, uh, giving us the idea that conceit and being puffed up was the trap of the devil. And that is what is described here in verses 12 through 14, where it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, or O Lucifer, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will set sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. And whether this is referring to definitely to Satan, or whether this is kind of comparing the king of Babylon almost as a type of Satan, we see a clear warning here against pride. And you notice that phrase that is used five different times there, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. But no, what ends up happening is you're brought down. And let that be a reminder of the passages we see in the New Testament that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So let's take that warning there uh, from these passages about foreign kingdoms. There is a clear warning against pride in our reading today. May we be careful if we start hearing that phrase, I will, on our lips. We want to be people who are submitted to the authority of God, trusting in the authority of God. We want to be people like Paul, that aren't out to for our own agenda, that aren't out for ourselves, but we're out to proclaim Jesus Christ. So I hope that's the kind of person you are, and I hope that's the kind of people your pastors are, and I'd encourage you to pray those four things for them and also for yourself today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.